Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Going through the offseason, mwwire.com is the website where you can find when we write stuff on there. Yeah, it's been a touch slow, we're, but Matt, we're getting into it. There's going to be flooded with everything this week, next week, podcasts, everything's going to happen. We're here. Yeah, it's the, you know, I would say the, the doldrums of the offseason are, are, you know, depending on how you, how you look at it, it's either really about to settle in. Or if you're a long-time listener on the podcast, you know that we're, we're finally starting to get to the good stuff of the offseason. Team previews, two weeks away. Two freaking weeks. There you go. <laughs> so here's our schedule for the podcast, our basic schedule, just so you have an idea. Well, me and Andy and our old buddy Eli Betker are going to hop on to a basketball podcast. Maybe we can mix this in football, Matt, because it could be a fun random show we mix in, maybe during the summer, just because. But there's some NCAA basketball rule changes they're considering. And so we're going to have some fun and hypotheticals with those and see which ones suck and which ones are good. So that'll be something fun to tie people over. It can be like a evergreen show, but also we may, we can maybe mix out within football down the road just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. But we'll be doing a team every week starting in what, what do we say? June 23rd, that Sunday, two Sundays from now. Cause we're May, recording... May 23rd. We're recording. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording on May 9th. This, this sorry. one. Yeah. May, sorry. Two weeks. May, May 23rd. So we'll be doing every show, every team every week. We'll be putting up a – you had a good idea – a Twitter poll, which will be kind of a, a tr- Twitter poll thread and a bracket style. So you get to see that in a couple of days. And we may make some, some random shows, maybe some interviews here and there about uh, Q&As we're working on. But in the site, we're going to start doing our super early previews, some Q&As. And one idea you brought up, Matt, explain this to people. You're basically replaying the 2020 season at full strength. Yeah, so <laughs> – in a nutshell, what I'm, what I'm going to do is, you know, utilize what if sports in their, uh, their simulator, you know, knowing what we know now, I thought it would be interesting to kind of take a look back at the, the, the games that didn't get played both, you know, in conference and out of conference to see what the season might have looked like had everybody played their original schedules. So, I mean, it's more of a fun thought exercise than anything. Of course, nobody's going to be, you know, take their, you know, San Jose State and their shiny new conference championship rings away or anything like that. Nope. <laughs> but, you know, I figured, you know, we already know how, you know, the games that got played turned out. But, you know, how, how could it look if, if everything was, you know, was without a pandemic happening at the same time? Wouldn't we love to relive that without the pandemic anyways, right? Can we that get one in nice. life? Okay, I mean, just, maybe maybe when they come out with you know NCAA football in a couple of years, we, somebody could set that up. Somebody smarter than us can can set that up and um, you know relive the the 2020 season in full that way too. So here we go, really quick. I pulled up one of the sports because one of the biggest games we never had, for Florida State traveling to the Blue Turf to, to take on Boise State. Mm-hmm. Now this is not our official sim, but I'm on the website now. Balanced offense, home field Boise. What would you put the weather at? Probably 80 degrees week one, 85? Yeah, Ooh, I 80, think so. 85, probably because it would have been that big noon game at 10 local time. I'll put uh, a light wind, no precipitation. And if we play the game, 
Let's see. Here we go. Simeon. Simeon. Oh, Boise State wins 38-17. Congrats, Broncos. You're 1-0 on the year. There you go. <laughs> easily, easy. This, so we're going to have fun. We're not going to do huge recaps. We may put what the what of sports or stats on there because, oh, this is a – ooh. What if sports has me interested here? Andrew Van Buren, who we know is a okay running back, had 93 yards. Good for him. <laughs> did Did he also have 25 carries? 16. Oh, interesting. George Solani only five, but from 47. Nope. So all right then. <laughs> this is stuff you'll see later, and so don't blame us for what happens later on if the score is reversed. So that's what we'll do. Have some fun with it because why not? It's the off season, right? And there's some mm-hmm. stuff to do. We've done this before in basketball. We did kind of the best ever during last year, COVID, when there was fewer things going on, so we want to kill some time. But look for fun stuff like that. We'll have, uh, like I said, Q&As with beat writers. You're working on the list for that. We're going to kind of do some rankings, uh, hot seat rankings. We're going to do some – also, we're talking spring football now. We'll get to it. We're going to do a post-spring ranking, which, Matt, I don't know how much changes for me or me for post-spring top 12 in the conference, but – We'll see what happens. We'll get the stat, the staff out there to vote, but let's get to it. San Diego State, spring football, end of the weekend. And one of the biggest things with them is they actually put out a depth chart, essentially, mm-hmm. which is what? Okay. Teams do, do they do it just to mess with people to make these depth charts post spring or in mid February? No, I don't think so. You think they're legit? Because we know some coaches just do it because they're kind of forced to. <laughs> Troy Calhoun. Really? Me. I mean, no, is that true? Is that true though? Because Troy Calhoun doesn't give away any information. He absolutely does not have to. They make one depth chart and left it all year. Huh. That's kind of what they do. Interesting. But, yeah, but San Diego State, here's the biggest things from spring football that we want to know, which we don't know at the moment. Quarterback, we still don't, we're still unsure because you have Lucas Johnson, who again, I'll hype up that Nevada first half where he looked really good. You have Jordan Brookshire. Yeah, uh, Jalen Maiden. Um, is it Maiden the Mississippi State transfer? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so I, mean, I did have two of those from Mississippi State, have receiver as well. So you have those three guys competing for a quarterback spot, which makes sense. Um, starting running back, the running back's good. Greg Bell, assuming that ankle is good. We saw what he did versus Hawaii, breaking ankle, is busting down the sideline. They're deep at running back with, um, who else do they have on the team here? They had guys last year. Um, oh shoot. Who's the other running back? Um, well, they got Jordan Bird coming back. That's right. That's right. Kagan was... Williams is still around. Chance Sorry, Jordan, Bell, the other Jordan, Bell, still around. Bird, I was a mistake escaping me. But overall, like they gonna like this team. We saw the first half of last year to the second half, which was a pretty contra- contrast. They lost to Colorado. They stumbled down the stretch, and mostly because of Greg Bell and Lucas Johnson not being healthy. Mm-hmm. The big thing, honestly, is receiving group because we talked about this. Whatever we did last spring preview or kind of a catch up, just be a little bit better passing the ball. And they have a lot of guys coming back: Ethan Dado, Kobe Smith, Isaiah Richards. They have like Brian Penny who could be possibly a deep threat. Uh, the other Mississippi State transfer, um, Tyrell Shavers. We'll see, but he's like the third running, or excuse me, third receiver on the depth chart at the Z position. So, I think there's potential for this team, but it's always it always comes down to the same thing, Matt. How's the quarterback? And is running back really going to be really good? Is this I mean, year's going to change? I, I, I mean, if I were a San Diego State fan, I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about the depth at receiver because, you know, Jesse Matthews is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ethan Doe is still around. Kobe Smith is still around. And, and all the guys, I mean, basically everybody who's been a contributor over the last couple of years is, is back at that position. And you mentioned Tyrell Shavers, who could be a big playmaker for them in the red zone. You know, he's 6'6, 210. And that gives them sort of an element that you, they haven't really had the last couple of years. Like, they do have some big guys, but I don't know if anybody is, is quite that stature. But, you know, if you look at what happened in the spring game and you look at the stat line for each of the three quarterbacks who got the most playing time, you know, we, we've mentioned before, and it's, it's, it bears mentioning again that, you know, a lot of these quarterback competitions are probably going to continue on into the fall. And, and none of the three guys, Johnson, Brookshire, or Maiden, really covered themselves in glory uh, during the spring game. As a matter of fact, I think all of them completed roughly about a third of their passes. You know, they they, did, they had some explosive plays, which I suppose is, is a good sign. But I think, you know, if you were looking for the passing game element of the offense to come together in, in short order, you know, with, with Johnson coming back off of injury and Maiden having transferred in and Brookshire having really only seen you know, a lot of playing time with the first team offense late in the year, especially in that BYU game. Um, 
you're, you're going to be waiting a while to see a resolution to that quarterback situation. And I think, you know, I would imagine that the expectation is Johnson will win it in the long run. But I don't know if that's a given right now. I mean, that's not a given until it actually happens. And it also would not surprise me if this is the kind of quarterback situation that continues into the regular season as well. I hope not. We'll get to all this down the road once you get to our team previews. But from what we saw, like, Johnson was really good at that half. But, again, it's only a half of a game. Mm -hmm. And that's like, okay, I don't want to overhype that too much because that's irresponsible. And it could have just been a day where – because think of it too, it was his first start, extended playing time. It could have been adrenaline. I'm going to be out there. He's puffing his chest out. I'm ready to go, guys. Let's do it. And wants to play really good. And he did play really good for when he was healthy. But who knows what we would have solved down the road the next couple of games. Like when they played Colorado, played the rest of Mountain West schedule, would he have been that same guy? Would he have mm-hmm. been as good, as effective? Because he's passing the ball. It's a If he's the guy, like I, I was on – ESPN Hawaii a couple days ago or last week with Bobby Curran. And then he asked me, who's your contender to win the conference? And I, without hesitation, I'm extremely high on Nevada as I think everybody should be. And I don't know if it's all that close, really. We can discuss Fresno State, who's going to be really good offensively. Boise State's always going to be the mix. We'll get to Wyoming later because they, I think they have a pretty good chance too. And who knows what Spartans returning, what Hawaii can do. But I think a team that can make the biggest move and it depends on spring. Like again, he only had nine rushing yards and TD pass. Five of 14 is not good for Lucas Johnson. Mm-hmm. But if he's a guy that can be that good, because I say all the time throughout this podcast, like throughout the spring, like if you're 10% better here or there, that could be a world of difference. Like completing 48 to 55% of your passes, like mm-hmm. getting, or maybe that's not 10%, but you know, I mean, get the 5% better, 10% better, this or that in your, a certain area of the games. If Greg Bell's healthy, if you have Lucas Johnson, good. You mentioned the depth of receivers. Like the, re- the receivers, the reason they're they're not that it's not necessarily Matt. We know that they're good. It's not that they're not good. It's just that throwing's not a priority for the Aztecs. And yeah, and if but Johnson the, you know, throws the problem more, for them over the last couple of years is like at certain points you have to be able to throw the ball, and that is really the one thing that has held them back. And I think you know we we talk a lot about the offense, and but the the obvious flip side to this is maybe that. Yeah, Aztecs fans can also feel better about you know having the, having to to reload in the secondary because we knew that they were going to have a lot of playmakers coming back up front. Five starters told are back, and that they did have two of their five starters from last year, two of their five big contributors from last year. You know, Trenton Thompson is still around, uh, and Taylor Hawkins is is there at cornerback as well. But, you know, other guys have stepped up and I think have really solidified their hold on, you know, potential starting roles like Sedarius Barfield, who's been kind of like a more of a role player. You know, now he's a junior. He looks like he's set to step into one of those safety positions. And, you know, Pat McMorris, who seemed to get a lot of buzz throughout the spring uh, practice sessions, you know, he might step in at the Aztec position, which, you know, we, we know how important that is. Um, so, I mean, I think maybe there's still one or two competitions in that unit to be sorted out. But I think, you know, you look at the final score and and again, you don't want to take too, too much from a spring game. It was only 10 to three, but maybe that is the bigger takeaway is, you know, the, the the quarterbacks were able to land a couple of haymakers. Like I think I saw, I read uh, in the San Diego union tribune that Johnson's touchdown was a 72 yarder in, in double coverage or something like that. Not bad. But maybe it's also that the guys in the secondary who were stepping up to replace the guys who were making the jump to the NFL stepped up and made plays and, and made it hard like they were supposed to. And that's really where that benefit of the doubt comes from year after year with the Aztecs team. Should be. Like Brady Hoke even said about the QB performance, he said they're disappointed. Decision make, decision make was questionable and their accuracy could have been, certainly could have been better. And so. <laughs> which is true when you go 5 of 14, 4 of 11, 5 of 12. But then again, a spring game, are you going to really run the ball? Like do you like go off for a QB read option to have your quarterback potentially get hurt or injured? I don't know how live it was. It fairly was with carries, six carries for Johnson and a couple for Maiden. But we'll see. Like As far as they go, the quarter, we know how the quarterback plays at San Diego State. you got to be decent, don't turn it over, and have the running game be solid. And that will mm-hmm. lead you. And the defense – like I said, secondary lost a couple of guys. Darren Hall got drafted. You got Treek Thompson no longer there. They have a few other guys back there that are good, but there's still going to be almost half the defense is returning. And then also one thing to note, and this will be more of our bigger preview whenever we get to them, it's another year away from from Rocky Long. So there's that's something to consider as well. That's with true. 
what it will look like. It's still mostly the guys he brought in. And I guess one guy we want to look at is, um, well, the defense. No, sorry, stick with the defense there. And that's just, you never know. Hoke's a defensive guy. Um, even though when he went to Michigan, it's like, well, he's going to run the spread a little bit. I don't think Hoke's going to go back to too much because it's always like when you bring a new coach, if your system works and you're promoted to a new team like or you get a head coaching job at a new team, you're not going to put a square peg in a round hole. You're going to slowly pull it back. And Aztecs mm-hmm. already kind of did that by with Rocky Longhead. Okay, we're still going to run the ball, but we're going to be in shotgun a little bit more. But the same power offense there. Okay, we don't really have a fullback anymore because we're in shotgun. Maybe an extra H-back or tight end back in there. And so we'll see how much Brady Hoke wants to kind of go go what he did before because he was a little bit more of a spread guy. See, I believe, was he around when Ryan Lindley was quarterback? Uh, well, I think, I, 2011? I think Hoke was there in 20, or 2009 and 10. I think he had moved on to Michigan by 2011, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not entirely sure. But his offense is a little bit more wide open because that was the criticism of him at Michigan. Or that was more Rich Rodriguez, I guess, at Michigan mm-hmm. doing that stuff. But Hoke wasn't a grounded type of guy. He wasn't going two tight ends every time. So we'll see. But the main thing on this is the defense of how it would be. And I don't know. It, there's a, a lot of unknowns with this team, really. Um, I do like Jalen Armstead's potential because I like the redshirt freshman, so that could be a good backup with Greg Bell there. But I think if we're looking at some of the most important thing for spring that I saw that interested me the most was, honestly, the poor quarterback play. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say overall my outlook big- on the Aztecs, like n- nothing has really changed. Like I came into the spring willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they were going to figure things out on defense. Mm-hmm. While also sort of reserving my judgment on their ultimate ceiling until they get the quarterback situation sorted out, in you know we're going into mid-May and that's still kind of where the team is at right now. Yeah, it's just the QB. I I wish that if you're a spring game, you complete fifty percent of your passes at least, right? Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so what, team, what are we doing next? Are we heading on to East to Vegas? Yeah, let's do it. All right, UNLV Rebels. This team, oh boy. Um, are, when we redo our power rankings or kind of do an updated, are they going to be number 12 on your list? I mean, probably. Probably. What would put them ahead of, like, New Mexico at 11 or something? I mean, I would say right now I don't know if there is anything, just because they're, they're coming from such a hole. Which, you know, and and a lot of it had to do with circumstances outside of their control. You know, this is something you mentioned before we started recording, but I think it's maybe worth mentioning now. UNLV is the kind of team, and this is something that has come up in articles over and over and over again out of both the Review Journal and The Sun, both newspapers in, in, in Vegas. This is a team that may benefit more from the normalcy of an off season than anybody else in the, any other team in the conference. Just by virtue of, you know, we knew going into last year that they were going to have to start over in a lot of respects. Um, you know, first year head coach, first time coordinators, you know, the whole business. And then you threw the pandemic in there. They didn't get a spring you know, practice session. You know, they didn't really get to come together until like September or whatever it is that teams started coming back around to prepare for the season in October. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the vibe that you get is is one that, you know, obviously they're, they're looking to raise their expectations from a winless season, but they're also trying to build just kind of like a, a loose culture, which yeah. I think is sort of building on what Tony Sanchez was able to do. Because I think, you know, there, there was always a team that was you know on the verge of, of something big, especially in the later years of the Sanchez regime. They just never took that last step. And so I think... You know, I don't know if culture was ever a problem there. I think that the, the team believed in Sanchez, as far as I could tell, as far as everything I could remember reading. 
And I think that you've, you you continued to see that with Arroyo on the sidelines, you know, the, in the in the recap from the Sun, Mike Rolland mentioned that it was sort of like it was sort of carnival like. I, and I know that they put it on Twitter where they had like a dunk tank on the sidelines. Yeah. Where I think it was when the I can't remember if it was like when the defense made a play or when the offense made a play, they got to dunk a coach of their choice and stuff like that. Which I think is kind of makes like it a, fun, yeah. It's a cool vibe, yeah. It's a silly, it's a spring think, game's fun. Do it, have fun. Yeah, you know, and I think they they recognize where they're at in their overall process. Like, I don't think they're going to come out and be, you know, they're going to. I don't know if they're going to come out and set the world on fire right away when they when they play in August and September. But I think you know they seem pleased that they're going in the right direction. I think it was the defensive coordinator Peter Hansen who said that the defense, a lot of their individual performers were. What was the word? He, I think he used the word unrecognizable. Hmm. That would, um, just that the fact that, you know, they've had all of this stuff in this offseason that they didn't get to have last year, which is especially important when you have such a young team like the Rebels are. And that's, you know, part of what, why they're going to be a work in progress too, which, you know, relating to the, the ongoing conversation about quarterback competitions, you know, the, at least the, from Grimala's point of view, it seems like Doug Brumfeld, the redshirt freshman, seems like he's in the pole position right now. Yeah, that's what which I think is too. sort of which I think is sort of interesting. But I'm I'm and I'm really interested to follow it as as fall camp rolls around in August, just because you know you you look at Brumfeld physically, you know he's he's a he's like he's like six foot five and two hundred and twenty pounds or something like that, and there really isn't another quarterback in the conference like him. And so I'm really interested to see if he can progress in learning the offense, you know, hold off Justin Rogers and, and, the, and the true freshman Cameron Furiel to see if he can, you know, be the guy that the offense can grow around because he's not going to be the only one who's like a, who's a, an underclassman in that offense. Of course, they have the reigning freshman of the year in Kyle Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, Zell Griffin was a freshman last year. Uh, you know, Charles Williams by comparison is the old man in the backfield <laughs> as a super senior, but I think it's, it's it's good to see that the direction that they're going in because I think, you know, it's for them it's not necessarily about wins and losses or it's not necessarily about not lighting up the stat sheet right now. It's about you know finding the right pieces to just grow together, you know, come August and September. And I think that you know they found some of those pieces last year, and especially if Brumfeld can establish himself as a, as the guy under center, that'd give him years of a quarterback there if he if he wins the job. That would be one of the most important things that they could accomplish for themselves over the next several months. Yeah, and looking at like whatever stuff like to, would um not Tony Sanchez, sorry. Also, did you see Sanchez got a job with TCU? Uh, I did not see that. He's an offensive analyst with uh with um Gary Patterson, so good for him. Yeah. But with the competition with Marcus Arroyo, is like he said the quarterback position everyone has improved has gotten better, and it's mm-hmm. obviously it's going to go in the fall camp. Like Justin Rogers when he wasn't hurt last year. Showed some signs of him being a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. And so if he gets beat up by Brumfield, that can also be seen as a good thing because, okay, yeah, Rogers, oh, you beat up the guy last year. Is Rogers not any good? Well, I thought he did reasonably well last year for what, what, basically what the expectations were for the Rebels to what he did. He was showing some progress there. Mm-hmm. And then Brumfield comes in and beats him. Like, okay, that could be good because better competition, better player. So you have that. Um, you're right with the defense. Like, they, they actually was unrecognizable. It's what he said, but, what it happens out there, I, I, you're gonna hear, here's the biggest thing you hear off, off season. We got experience, you got super seniors. Here's the thing, Matt. Everybody's having this back, so it's not special to your team. Mm-hmm. So be excited of this ta- returning talent back because this could make the Mountain West one of the more competitive seasons in a very long time overall. Cause we have already talked about, and we'll talk about how the West is gonna be wild with Nevada, with Hawaii. We'll get to San Diego State, Fresno State. Like UNLV probably finished last, but it won't be because they're I don't they're going to be better than last year, but it's just so stacked. So, but the biggest thing is having the spring to actually learn what your coach wants you to do. Yeah, like you mentioned, going in having what was it three weeks or something? Can we hit? Can we tackle? We're in position groups. Can we can only do six guys at a time? More people are getting their COVID shots. It means few people can get sick. And there, we figured out better ways to be able to practice and do things like being outside more, which you kind of already knew. Last year, being outdoors is better because clearly stuff doesn't transmit as well outside. So there's more ways to figure it out to practice more regularly, which they kind of did late in the year. But mm-hmm. when you're doing week through the game or testing, testing, like talking to coaches at University of Utah, it literally took 
three hours to go, almost three hours to go from start to end of testing almost and practice. So hour and a half testing, hour and a half practice in the morning. So it takes so much of your day to practice just to get ready for practice. But this team, like my expectations aren't high, but they can't be worse than last year, which is kind of a low barter set. But I am excited to see like if they get a quarterback settled, defense gets a little bit better. That's kind of the vibe we were getting for the spring game. There wasn't like we already know what Charles Williams can do. We already know what this guy, a couple other guys can do. But if the defense can give up, go from thirty-eight to thirty points per game, that's a big deal, I think. Yeah, and and the other thing too is I, I don't know off the top of my head how many guys in the you know because they brought in a lot of guys from the transfer portal, and I'm I'm going through the roster right now and I'm seeing only a couple of guys listed on the current roster. So I'm assuming that they might have, you know, been in for, for spring practice and some of them might not. Yeah, it depends when they come in, yeah. And that'll be something that we talk more at length about when we get to their team preview. But that's another thing to keep an eye on as well, you know, especially going into the fall, is you know, they brought in a lot of really interesting guys from Power Five programs. And so it'll be interesting to see how those guys kind of fit into the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you know, because you know, they have Charles Williams, for instance, obviously. But they also brought in a running back from Oregon, for example, Javon Wilson. Um, you know, Rogers, of course, was an example of that last year coming in from TCU, mm-hmm. and they got the you know linebacker from from Arizona, Kylan Wilborn. Um, I think there's like three or four other guys that they also brought in, and so when those guys start getting integrated and start competing for some of these you know starting roles or at least you know kind of like rotation roles perhaps in some instances yeah you know what is that going to look like and so there's still a lot left to sort out in the desert but i think overall you can kind of see that they're trending in the right direction i would say it kind of have to which is again super easy and not it's like the obvious answer to say but i am excited to see because it's not really fair. These new coaches, like, well, man, I got no practice time doing this. It'll be interesting to see what he can, what uh, Marcus Royo and everybody else can do on this team. Exactly. All right, next team, we are going. Who we got next? Are we going to Nevada? Or is that where we're headed? We can do that. All right. So Nevada has everybody coming back. Good players. Moving on. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, although, but seriously, looking at what they're doing for this team for spring. All we want to see is nobody get hurt. We want to see Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs be good, Toa Tao come back and play well. Don Peterson. They did lose a couple guys like Ben Putman, a couple receivers, but like overall, there's not much to criticize or is there any much we can nitpick about this team going for this year? It's like what's an area you want to see improve for Nevada going into from what they've lost and what we saw last year? I mean, I think the big keys for them, and of course, these are things we'll probably get more in, at length into in, in their own T preview, is one: can the defense take that one last step? Because you know there was there was some some disagreement as to what you know the new coordinator hire Brian Ward would bring to the table in Reno, and I think overall, like he he performed pretty well in his first year at the job, you know, and I think with all of the you know, defenders they have coming back, you know, I believe Lawson Hall's back, Don Peterson's obviously back, Sam Hammond is back, and like two or three others. I think, you know, the name of the game on that side of the ball is, you know, not only can those guys take the last step, but can they unearth more guys who, you know, can be depth pieces to really put them over the top? Like, you know, knock on wood, you know, if they have injuries, you know, into the fall, you know, who are going to be those next guys up? Um, and, and that's not only in terms of like development, but also, you know, the, the guys they brought in from the transfer portal, you know, Bentley Sanders, uh, Isaiah Sesama, um, you know, guys like that, you know, how well are they going to integrate in, especially into the secondary, I think is kind of the, the last biggest piece of the puzzle there. And I think that, you know, depth is sort of the, the big question on offense too, because I don't think Carson Strong actually played in the spring game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right, was, what's the point? There's no reason that, to. Yeah. And I think he was recuperating from a surgery of some kind, if I remember correctly. But the, you know, the lab, the backup last year, Nate Cox, who, you know, right now might be best known as being six foot nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you never see in a quarterback, but you know, he Brock showed Oswald. a pretty strong command in the offense. That's and good. I think, you know, again, if worst case scenario, they have to turn to the backup quarterback. At least now they know that they can feel good with the backup in there. You know, and I think, you know, Elijah Cooks is back. Romeo Dobbs looks strong. You know, they have the backfield tandem of Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee. 
So I think you're right. You know, they're they're definitely on the short list of, of contenders at the very top of the list. And it was it wasn't so much about addressing big questions like it is for you know some of the teams that we talked about like San Diego State and UNLV. It's about ironing out the little details that are going to make them that are going to really cement them as a, as a as a bona fide contender. Besides that defense you mentioned, would it be um, okay to say the running game should, could be a bit better as well to help that out? Like that's an area where they could be a touch better. I think a little more explosive, yeah. Because Tuatau has been good, like. Like uh, what's he, he's that freshman of the year or whatever all conference he's pretty good. I you're right. I think a little bit more. It's like the ten percent thing. If you're just ten percent better here and there, you're going to be amazing. And that's explosive on there. You mentioned the defense being a bit more tightened up at the back end there. The offense is going to be could it be more explosive. Can we how many fades are we getting to Cole Turner, man? You know what I mean? Like he, he <laughs> I mean, be, they'll like, keep doing it until somebody stops them. That's all I'm going to say. He's the only team. Only this is the only team and coach and staff of any. Pro or college that I will approve the fade. Everybody else is like, stay away. But like, he catches it and like he wants to have a breakout year. Like his year last year is amazing. Him getting the full year, like I don't see any reason why he's not a first team like preseason tight end. Was there anybody am I missing who would be first team over him? Uh, Trey McBride. Okay, Maybe. that's up. Yeah, they're right there. I believe I believe he was first team last year, if I'm not mistaken. So we got those two right there, and so we'll see what see what happens. But like you're right, there's mostly fine tuning a team that I. Like, am, I'm everybody doesn't bullish on them, but I don't see any reason why not they're not going to be the preseason champion of the conference. Does the, when the media does it, I know when we do it, we, they take West and Mountain Division. They don't predict the champion. They just predict the division winners, right, top mm-hmm. one through six? Yeah. Do you see any way it's not Nevada in the West? I guess Not to give anything on... away, but I'm just saying, like, I think they're – for me, I, I think it should be them and not close, like I said. I mean, I think it depends on how bullish certain segments of the media are about other teams in the, in the division. Fresno? San Jose State. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get that later, but there's not much more to say about this spring because it's like it's all fine-tuning and just don't get hurt, and that's probably why Carson Strong wasn't out there to make sure he's ready to go 100%. All right, let's go to Wyoming. Hold on. Actually, one more thing. One more what thing. What I missed? Let, let's, let's talk style for just a moment. The new helmets? Yeah. What did, what did you think? I'm looking at them right now because I was like, oh, I need to do a quick article. I, the white ones, you got two. You have the silver they wore in the spring game with the mm-hmm. script pack and then the number on the other side. And then the white, same thing. It's white, the blue stripe down the middle. So is this in, if I'm correct on this, cause I just saw the helmets like literally five minutes ago when I was looking up for another article. So are the silver ones the ones they're wearing all year long? Is that their official uh, helmet? The silver and the white ones, yeah. Okay, so no no more navy helmet then? No more uh, dark? I, at least not for 2021. You know what they should do? Just stick with the white one. I love the white one so much. It looks see, amazing. I, see, you know what? I mean, I, I do think the white ones are very good. Sharp, man. The, the, the silver is speaking to me, though, especially That's... especially if they, they roll out there with, like, the, the navy blue jerseys and all that. It's a sun. And, and also, also I'm a – I'm a very big fan of helmet script, and, and maybe that's the the, the Fresno State Bulldogs it fan in me talking. Totally is, yes. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is, but I, I I do find the the pack script is very aesthetically pleasing. So whoever came up with that design, two thumbs up. You can't see it, but I'm but I'm holding them up Kudos. right now. I do like those. We need to do maybe a helmet ranking off season as well at some point with these new ones. So. That's going to cause a lot of controversy. <laughs> hey, that's what we want. We want people. That's to come what over we do. And- so like, are you going to fight over something silly and stupid like helmets? There you go. <laughs> well, I do enjoy those. I do like the blue as well. But also, I put on Twitter, I can't believe this tweet got so many likes because I'm doing an article. I've been, again, I, we've been slacking or I've been slacking. I have a couple, like five articles. I'm like, I'll get some this week. The weekend happens. Yeah, I'll get some next week because they're not super timely. But I was looking up some like draft stuff for Carson Strong because his skyrocketing and I put a tweet out there. Remember, recovering Carson Strong NFL draft, and this can go toward Nevada in general. It's Wolf Space Pack. Yes, that got like 50 likes somehow. Like the, the amount of like, like it's not a ton, but like just for what the tweet was, it got more interaction than I thought it would. And then you get the, a Boise fan there. It's like, who cares? I'm like, well, first off, it's grammatically correct. It's their name. It's not NC State Wolf Pack, which is one word. So mm-hmm. FYI, PSA. You're covering Nevada Wolfpack and you have them like in a near six uh, bowl game looking at you like Jerry Palm or Mark Slareth or whoever, Kyle Bonagre at ESPN. Just get it right. It's two words. I'm not saying you guys don't. I'm just saying those those uh, 
bull rankings come out early from those guys. Phil Steele, anybody out there? Random.com website guy. It's two words, Wolfpack. Yes. All right now are we good for Wyoming? Uh, yeah, let's do it. So the Cowboys, their spring interested me possibly the most out of any team. Mm-hmm. Because they have new OC, because we talked to Michael Katz a while back about bringing the new coordinator for um, the QB coach from Wisconsin. He's in. They have a QB situation, which Levi Williams, Sean Chambers, might be, if we're looking at quarterback depth across the conference, it's Wyoming and probably Boise State with Jack Sears and Nick Bachmeyer. You could interchange either guy. And, and for me, if I were a fan of both those teams or looking at both these teams, I would be confident in either quarterback playing for me if that was my team. I would say, feel- yeah. I mean, the, the takeaway from the Wyoming spring game is that both guys look pretty good in the new offense. And they're slinging it, too. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I like how, did you see the trick play they ran? Or did you read I did, about I it? I did not. I did it's not a, see that. It was like a throwback. It's called Midnight Rider, which is awesome. Oh, I love that. Okay. All right. It's so, Coach Pulasek, how do you say it? Pulasek? Pulasek? Uh, Pulasek, I believe. Pulasek, okay. The OC there. So, it's a throwback to the offensive tackle. <laughs> he throws it to Alonzo Valasquez. Uh, the senior lineman dropped it for loss in 15, 15 yard loss, which Midnight Rider might be a scrap from the playbook because um, Coach Bull jokingly said, yeah, I might have to fire. It's like, who the hell is Midnight Rider throwing it to a tackle, losing 15 yards? I made to get rid of that guy. <laughs> so, I, hope they, I hope they keep it in the playbook and bust it out sometime. Got to do it once, and it can't be just in spring. You have to do it at least once. Like, do they play in FCS school this year? I ah, well, they play, don't they play UConn, or is that my imagination? That's FCS school, isn't it? Essentially, do they play UTEP? <laughs> <laughs> I'm that was right mean. Now. That was no. mean. Hey, sorry, Dan. If Daniel, if you're listening, here, buddy, Dan Conley, they, yeah, and he's like, oh, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> uh, they play Montana State. Oh, okay, there you go. So. Which is a good they do FCS also team. play UConn, so they do also play UConn. <laughs> so we'll have we'll get into that later. But those type of plays are fun. But outside of that, they were throwing the ball more than they did in the past because last time we talked about the receivers, they had nobody with a ton of experience. Now they have all these guys back, and we'll get to in the spring and not not spring, but the actual preview. You mentioned before, like all these defenders, the opt outs are coming back. Yeah, and so you have Chambers and Williams are the QBs. Um, both have great bill of health. They both went a well above 50, just over 50%. They combined for about 300 yards. Um, a couple touchdowns for Williams. He had two, I believe, if I'm looking correctly on here. And so 60% of their passing is better than what Josh Allen did his junior year before he left the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. They've always, I know there's wind issues, which is a weird thing to say. Not weird, but you know, if you're not from Laramie, if you're not there, that wind can cause some issues throwing the ball. But getting to 60%, would be, again, go back to what I said for the Aztecs, get just a touch better. That's amazing. They already have Xavier Valade run the ball. Either quarterback can run the ball well. They complete 60%. I don't know what they're going to do. It's This is one of the toughest decisions Polisek and Craig Bull are going to have to make all year. It's true. I mean, I think it'll, I think it'll help. That you that you you get reminded like oh yeah I mean Valaday's of course the lead back and he's like he's he's really good he's a first team all conference really performer <laughs> but then you also remember oh yeah they've got other guys who are also really good <laughs> you know like, Hall? I think you know uh, and Titus Swen was I, if I remember correctly he was one of the guys who opted out of last year um, but went out had a big spring game he had a long touchdown run uh, six carries eighty five yards a, uh, a long of fifty five. And, and so I think, you know, even if the quarterbacks have their occasional stumbles when, when the, the games become like for real, you know, you look at all of a sudden and you, and you remember, oh yeah, they've got like three really good running backs in the backfield that can supplement that. And so I don't think they necessarily want to fall into the same habits that have played them over the last couple of years. True. But I think they can be encouraged by the fact that they've got depth on that side of the ball now which is not something that you could always say because, you know, Valadev's been banged up here and there over the last year or two. And, you know, at times last year, they really had to kind of dig, dig into the depth chart to solve things. But I think, you know, now that they're back at full strength, and this is true for the defense as well, you know, the defense came out and I think, you know, both sides ended up combining, I think, for 12 tackles for loss and four sacks. 
that's pretty good altogether. I would say that both both teams kind of flashed their ceiling, what they could ultimately look like, and and if they keep that up into fall camp and you know find a, some resolution to those most pressing questions, quarterback and, and things like that. Like if if they have things firmly established and they they continue to look this good into the fall, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how other teams stack up against them. Yeah, there this team is going to be like I don't recall. I should pull it up here where we had them in our preseason, like our way too early rankings before. But seeing like going through spring and listening and reading and watching type stuff that's going on, I'm like. They could be the team to win the win the Mountain Division. They Boise State is a new coach. They have a quarterback competition. They lost a couple guys to NFL draft, but they're always going to reload and have people there. Air Force, we'll see at QB, and we'll talk about them later down the road. Utah State, new head coach, a new quarterback a competition. New Mexico's not being the mix. CSU's, I don't think they're going to be the mix either. This could be like a Wyoming chance for them to win this division. And by the way, I looked it up as you were talking in our in our February power rankings. We had Wyoming fifth. Fifth, ooh, mm. oh, and this it, was it, overall overall correct, not by division. Yeah, yeah, overall. Okay, I forget because I think uh, I think I think we should go overall because I think we've always done. That. I think occasionally we've done Mountain and West, but yeah, we had Boise, San Diego State, Air Force, Hawaii, Wyoming. That ooh. oh, that's twenty twenty. I'm looking at the wrong one. Never mind. My bad. Are you looking at twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? No, I'm looking at 2021. Oh, I searched it and pulled up 2020 for some reason. <laughs> February 19th. It was okay. right after the SP Plus projections came out. Okay, before. that's right. For some reason, the 2020 came up before. But still, fifth seems a bit interesting. I'm that still seems- I'm still buying all the Wyoming stock like it's Doga coin. <laughs> why, why, is it too early Pre- to say Wyoming, wait, Wyoming wait. to the moon? Pre or post Elon Musk on SNL where it tanked for a minute. <laughs> Pre. Okay. We'll see. Or is it, or is it GameStop, man? I'm just saying. With the rocket emoji? I guess we'll see. Uh, let's put it this way. I haven't seen or heard anything out of Wyoming's spring practices that have dissuaded me from just continuing to buy all the Cowboy stock. I I am more high on them than I was before because part of it, QBs look good. They're, if they're going to sling the ball more, completing 60%. I know it's only spring, so again, you take it kind of grain of salt and all that. Grain of salt, yeah. Cliché, cliches you want to put out there, but... That's better than going doing what San Diego, San Diego State did, where they couldn't complete water falling out of the river in the Pacific Ocean or something. I guess mm-hmm. it's a river, but you know what I mean. Falling off um, Cat, Catalina Island or something out there. It's like, come on, you guys are completing thirty five, forty percent. Like, no, that's the, that's that's not what you want to see. This is what you want to see. So I'm going to email our staffer into our post spring rankings in the upcoming week. I like mine. Like I, I got to do a little bit more reading and looking, thinking about what we saw. But clearly, I have Nevada number one on my side. I probably have Fresno two. I might put Wyoming number three, like put them right there in my top three. Interesting. Where would you put them, Matt? Would you put them higher or lower? Yeah, I know you love San Jose State, man. I, you know what? I, I voted for San Jose State in February just because I tend to take the approach of you got to beat the best to be the best. That's always fair. So I think if, if it were me right now, I'd still put the Spartans first because that's just how I've always done things. Where would you put Wyoming? Really crack your top four? Uh, oh man, I wish I could remember what I did last time. I mean, this is official. I mean, stuff. let's put it this way: the top five were Boise State, Nevada, San Jose State, Fresno State, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I think you could put those teams in pretty much any order imaginable, and make a pretty convincing case for it. I, okay, I you can make that case. I don't know if I'd go that high for five, but I I can't strongly disagree with that. I could nitpick a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you put Spartans 1 because they won the conference last year, I'm not going to argue. If you put Boise 1 because of the tradition, because of the history, because they have one of the better running backs as well in the conference. So, it's like I said, too, same all the other teams. But that seeing them perform well in spring, speaking of Cowboys, and they want to throw the ball more, I, that's amazing. They even did five wide receiver set for a couple plays. Mm-hmm. That never happens. Five wide. What are they doing? <laughs> This is what I want to see. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the next team. Because uh, unless you have any final thoughts on the Cowboys, uh, no, I think we're good. I think they're okay. So let's go to San Jose State. All right, since let's you do said it. Since you said they're the champs. They are the champ. Not that you said, but they are the champs. Well, well, that's a, this is a question I was going to mention. Was more of long lines of 
when we get to the real preview, like what are they going to do or kind of win total, the drop off. Here's what we do know from spring. They have Nick Starkle back, offensive player mm-hmm. of the year. They, they do lose, um, Trey Walker, mm-hmm. um, Bailey Gaither, correct? Yes. But they do have guys like Tyler Evans returning and running the ball, Kareem Rob- Robertson. And the running game is the biggest area I want to see them get better at because that was an issue. Um, like Nick Stark, Nick, excuse me, Nick Nash would come in occasionally. The running game was hit or miss. There were a couple games later in the year, if I recall, where they actually played put it on pretty well. But I think that's what they need. Like you want Evans to have a bigger role, more carries. Um, they may have some with Shamir Garrett, who could get a couple of touches, including his kick returning from last year. So that's like the biggest area I want to see them improve upon out of those three guys running the ball. And then I guess finding a step up receiver for Trey Walker, like Isaiah Hamilton, possibly only had 13 catches of last year. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, this, you know, San Jose State's spring showcase didn't feature like all of the big stars from last year. Like Starkle did seven by seven stuff, but he didn't actually, you know, play in the game. It was mostly Nick Nash and Natano Woods throwing the ball at quarterback. Um, and, and Nevins didn't see any action either. You know, Garrett was the guy who ended up leading the team in rushing, eight carries, 31 mm-hmm. yards. But, uh, you know, I think the name, the name of the, the game in this particular showcase is the fact that the defense continue to look really sharp. And yeah, I think it. even if there, even if there's perhaps a little bit of the, and a, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a regression to the mean or what, um, you know, they took a huge step forward on offense last year. And so even if they take a step back, you know, you look at, you know, all the players they have coming back on defense. And, you know, I think even though one of their starting, I believe it was, Trey Webb, if I'm not mistaken, who just put himself into the transfer portal recently, they still got a lot of their biggest contributors coming back for 2021. And so I think, you know, Kate Hall, I don't know if he saw a lot of action, uh, but, you know, new guys like, you know, Matthew Tago came out and had a sack. Um, so, I mean, I think it was more about just kind of like establishing new faces and, and kind of like we talked about with Nevada a few minutes ago, just establishing depth. Because if you look at the stat sheet, it was sort of uneven overall, especially in the offensive side. Like they ended up running the ball; they they accounted for twenty rushing attempts and uh, seven yards. <laughs> Which again, you don't want to read too too much into into spring showcase stats, but maybe yeah. that gives you a little bit of a pause. Oh, um, a little but, bit, yeah. <laughs> but again, but again, no Tyler Nevins, nothing like that. So yeah, huge grain of salt throwing into that conversation. Yes, totally. uh, and, you know, Nick's, Nick Nash did have a couple of touchdowns, but he also had a couple of interceptions as well. So, you know, some good, some bad overall, which I think is kind of what you, ex- you know, you expect to see from, from pretty much every team. But it doesn't really do a lot to dissuade me from the fact that I think once once all the big contributors are back into, back in the fold, once Starkle is getting most of the QB1 reps and, and things like that, I think they'll be fine. And so I'm not necessarily pushing the panic button or anything like that it, it, over an under, underwhelming spring stat sheet. Yeah, again, it's just the stat sheet for spring. Yeah. Uh, it's my only concern. What I want to see is can they keep it going? Yeah. Like they have guys like you mentioned, like they have other first team all conference guys like Vladi Fajoko. Like mm-hmm. they have all these guys back on. They kept their staff together like Derek Odom, DC. This is a team overall, which I want to see if there's not a drop off. That's my biggest thing I look for because they came not out of nowhere, but they weren't, they were losing record the year before to come out to win a conference. And so I want to see if like Kate Hall can keep it going, if Oko, if Nick Starkle can find guys, if they can find, and the biggest, I guess, hole really is the receiving group of stepping up and finding who's going to be that one guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see it spring in. It seems like from what we read, I guess they're, they know who they, here's the thing. I think what I'm going to say is Spartans, like, they know what they are, what they want to do. It's just that the, it's basically like, it's like the next guy up type of situation. Gaither is the main guy receiver, Trey Walker. Like, I don't think they have a yeah, Trey Walker on the staff. It's like, next guy's going to be, like, maybe it's Isaiah Thomas or Isaiah Holiness could be the next two guys. They just happen to get more playing time or the next guys to be the one and two or to remain Braddock. That yeah, could be I the mean, big thing. You mentioned those three guys. You know, Andre Crump also saw a lot more playing time at the end of the year, especially in the bowl game. When, you know, Bailey Gaither was out, uh, for mysterious reasons. Um, so I mean, they, they've got this. guys who have been contributors as like their third and fourth receiver in over the last couple of years. 
you know, now the trick is, you know, now you're the guys and how are you going to respond to that challenge? And I think, you know, perhaps that's still a work in progress. But to me, that's kind of like the, the biggest storyline to follow into fall camp. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else about this team you want to get to? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right, so let's move on to Hawaii. Let's do it. <laughs> Hawaii. So, like I mentioned, I chatted with the guys from Hawaii recently on the radio show, and we're talking, and we're 1420, and they're, we're discussing things. Their biggest thing, which I agree with, with Bobby Kerr, and he was saying having, and it, this goes for everybody. It's not just hey, it's just Hawaii. A full spring practice with it, with their new coach, but also it's a new coach where it's not a Marcus Arroyo situation, not a Steve Adazio situation. You're taking over for a team. It's more like Brady Hope going to San Diego State, even kind of in between his on staff, but you, you inherited a good team. You played well with what you had. Now you actually get a full season, but then also you got to think about, well, they lost their wide receivers coach. They lost their offensive coordinator. So it's kind of a mix of, not that their offense schemes get changed all that much, but it's a mix of, okay, we have our coach, we have a good team back, but also implementing a little bit, a few tweaks here or there. But overall, with this team, might their spring practice, probably one of the more important ones to see if this team's really that good still from what they have. Yeah. They were, How much they staying were, power do they have at this point? Yeah, because the end of half of last year, they had they improved. They had a big comeback for Boise State. They played well halfway through the year when they started figuring things out. So imagine now... They already were a good team. They have one of the better quarterbacks in Shavon Cordero in the conference. One of my favorite players in Calvin Turner, who is going to get even more reps anywhere on the field, wildcat running, returning, receiving. He is literally the all-purpose player in this conference going forward this year. Kind of what, basically what Avery Williams was for Boise State, but the offensive version of that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my, where he kind of stands out a little bit, but he could do a bit more, or he has more of a chance to make an impact compared to Williams because you can on defense, but offense, you get the ball 25 yards on the field, 30 yards, a big pass, a big reception. You can make plays. And so that's the biggest thing about their spring practice where they actually have it with their team. That was a good team, even with the new coach, just now kind of not necessarily – it's almost sort of a fine-tuning a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of a, a relearning and kind of fine-tuning a bit as well. That's where I kind yeah, of think, I think about what they're at. You know, keep, keeping in, in – in theme with that kind of staying power question. I think the big surprise from last year was like, you you mentioned that Todd Graham inherited, you know, what was a pretty good team from Nick Rolovich, but they surprised in a lot of ways too, especially on defense. And it seems like the biggest takeaways from the script, from the spring game is that the defense, you know, if we're talking about staying power, looked pretty good for turnovers. Um, yeah, then you know four turnovers, and, and shout out to to Christian Shimabuku from Kahon, by the way, K H O N, who has some uh, unofficial stats that I was able to dig up. Uh, you know, you mentioned Calvin Turner a minute ago, and <laughs> do you think they could try and make the whole offense out of Calvin Turner? Because did you see his stats? I did not see his stat. Oh, I see him now. Let's see. So, so he had a seventy-five yard touchdown run. Five catches, forty-six uh, yards. Five, five catches, forty-eight yards. Uh, three, three carries, ninety-nine yards. <laughs> that, that's a pretty good day of work, I would say. He, like, I'm not kidding. Like, he is that good. Like, he came from not Jackson. What's the good? F- is it Jacksonville State? That's a really good FCS program. No, it's just program? Jacksonville. No, no, I'm not. No, but the good FCS team, Jacksonville State, right? I believe so. Yeah. So he came from Jacksonville. It was non-scholarship yeah. FCS football. During the summer, he came over to Hawaii, I believe. He mm-hmm. wasn't in spring. He, I don't know how this guy fell through the cracks and ended up where he was at. Who knows? It could have been a great thing. could have been a injured in high school thing. It could have been a size or something, what he was pre-high school to now. But he is, I'm going to say, he's the most exciting, potential and could be or probably will be the most exciting player to watch in the Mountain West this year. And I don't think yeah. I'm overhyping it, am I? Am I don't I give think it so. Much? I mean, he was fun to watch. Like, he was he was worth staying up late for last year. Yeah, screw bedtime. Come on. <laughs> but I mean, it. I think you know. But but kind of going back to what I was talking about about the defense. You know, you mentioned the four turnovers, but I think it's important. You know, who was doing the playmaking because you know the the secondary in particular was the one big surprise where it was like, okay, well, how how good were they really? Um, and then you see that, you know, Cameron Lockridge, who's probably going to be seeing a lot of playing time opposite Cortez Davis, had two interceptions of Siobhan Cordero. That's pretty good. Uh, Davis himself had a fumble, um, on, uh, you know, on, on a wide receiver who was going to, you know, looking to score after a 20 yard catch. Uh, Corey Bethley recovered that fumble. 
so that secondary is still looking pretty sharp and, and everybody's coming back at that unit. I think that, you know, the big question for them overall is, you know, how are they going to continue to develop up front? And you look at the fact that they had five sacks as well. I think that's another good sign for them too, because that has been a sort of a, an Achilles heel on that side of the ball for the last several years. It's just, you know, can they find the guys up front to, to really wreak havoc? And I think if they can marry that with, with, with the talent that seems to be emerging on the back end, you know, we, we, we don't, we are, I mean, we aren't really penciling the Warriors in in that top echelon of, of conference contenders right now. But on May 9th, they definitely look like the kind of team where if things break right and they continue to develop, that they could, they could go out there and steal another division title. Like they're, they're, they're in a really good position as far as kind of sticking around and being a thorn in everybody's side. Oh, totally. Yeah, I they could totally, I could totally see that. Like, look, at, I know it's only spring to play against the played against, but like the West Division will get to it. So, like, I think Nevada's really good, but Fresno could win, beat them. Hawaii might be able to San Jose State. Like, the champ out west might have like two losses in that to win the division. Yeah, and it kind of sucks because if they're really that good, they're not going to get the the pub nationally of what they could be. But I could see that champion being like nine and three mm-hmm. or something like that with two of those losses in conference. So. I, don't know, I like why you're right. The defense, because also I, I harken back to that Nevada game. Look how well they did. They lost the game, but they kept Romeo Dubs in check for the most part. They were not allowing anything downfield. They're like, you can beat us downfield. I don't care, but or not downfield, but sorry, you're not going to beat us downfield. We'll give you everything eight yards in front of us. We don't care. And they did that, and they nearly beat Nevada in that game. Mm-hmm. So they can no, they, up, they did beat Nevada. Oh, wait, they did. oh, that's right, they did win. Oh, apologies, sorry, coaches. Team fans, oh no, they did win the game. You I'm thinking Victor Santa Cruz an apology. I'm sorry, Coach Victor. What can I send you um, to help to apologize? I, should I predict conference champion or something? That, <laughs> no, I'm mistaken. I, I knew it was good. No, they did beat them. I apologize. I do remember now. But the point being, they could scheme as well as anybody in the conference, essentially. Yeah. And that came on late where like the defense wasn't very good versus Boise State. It was against Nevada, and it showed. And so – they're a team. We'll, get, well, I'll just save it for the prediction. But they're they're in the mix. I'm not going to count them out. I don't think they yeah. can. I'm not going to say they'll do it, but I'm also not going to count them out of not doing it. There you go. So the rest of the show here, we're going to wrap it up a little bit. Talk. We already talked a bunch of quarterback stuff. We're sitting here and oh, oh boy, boy, we're forget we're forgetting the most important one of all. Oh crap! Did I forget a team? We're forgetting my team. Oh, Fresno State. Fresno State. Oh, man. I, I need to go into the corner, man. I'm sorry. I did not have so, okay. my... <laughs> can, can we start by talking about 41.3? That's what I want to start with. Yes, that's their goal. Okay, so so for those of you who, who aren't familiar, you know Robert Kawada, I think about a week ago from the Fresno Bee, had an article where he talked with the offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, and on the, on a whiteboard in the, in the office, in his office, he has the number 41.3 written down. And apparently that's his goal for points per game this year. Does he have a 41.3 tattoo somewhere not underneath his shirt or something on his chest? That is an excellent question. <laughs> so, so for the sake of comparison, the 2018 Utah State Aggies scored 44.6 points per game. They were pretty good. <laughs> the, 20, the 2013 Bulldogs scored 43.3. So you're talking about some of the most high-octane uh, you know, offenses that we've seen over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um but then you 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 look in the, the <laughs> they scored eleven touchdowns during their spring scrimmage, and I I know that I've said this before. I'll just say it again now. You know I, I said I was buying Wyoming stock. Um, I am definitely buying Fresno State stock heavily <laughs> because that, the, I mean and the, and they did it without Ronnie Rivers. Yeah, you know, they did it. You know, you know he was getting some rest. I think he was recovering from off season surgery of some kind. But then you're like, um, you know, they also did it without Jordan Mims and Javon Bigelow and Jordan Woolmore, um, which was no big deal because it allowed Malik Sherrod, a redshirt freshman, to step up. And, you know, he had a 62-yard touchdown run. Jake Hayner threw three touchdowns. The Excuse offense me. Was basically, Wait, hold on. Mr. Most Accurate Passer, Jake Hayner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Whatever so that was. Like so it's saying. just one of those things where it's like, I mean, this offense, and we'll go into more depth about it when we do that, that team preview. Yeah. It's sort of hilarious how stacked they are on that side of the ball. That's why I think they could contend with Nevada anybody in the conference. Mm-hmm. They are like, it's amazing. Like the, this team, 
Well, well, that's more of a projection of some sort I'm getting to, but overall, like, it's hard to project forward without talking about the spring game. Like, you mentioned guys in or who's out, like, like, they're probably, I'm probably underselling a little bit from Nevada, but what's the issue on defense? Like, when they want to score all these points, is it because, do you think they, besides that, they think it's a possibility from Coach Grubb, but is it because there's defensive inefficiencies they're trying to, uh, not care about or not worry about by scoring over 40 points a game? Well, I think you know, what you saw last year was defense that was was willing to attack. You know, they 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 had a lot of sacks, but they also gave up a lot of big plays. And so I think you know the name of the game, which it's really hard to see in a spring practice against an offense that seems like a really well-oiled machine, unstoppable. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where like you really want to find a happy balance between those two things, where you know you you can be a bend but don't break defense. But, you know, it was a little bit out of balance last year where, you know, they could disrupt, but, you know, they were, they also gave up a lot of chunk plays as well. And so I think, you know, they're trying to find a, a way to kind of maintain the former while, while, uh, you know, hoping for some regression to, to, in the latter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of that is spurred by personnel changes, you know, like Aaron Mosby, for example, was a linebacker last year. You know, he's doing the Michael Walker thing where he's moving to defensive end in 2021. Um, you know, they've, you know, Fresno State's another team that's bringing in a lot of, uh, you know, transfer guys on both offense and defense. So it's still very much a work in progress on that side of the ball. But I think, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be discouraged by the fact that the offense scored 11 times. I think if you were a Bulldogs fan, you probably expected that from this <laughs> offense. <laughs> so very I think, likely, it's, yeah. I think what you want to see from the defense is, you know, maybe in, into the fall is, you know, Figuring out how to be a little more opportunistic, which I think is maybe going to come out of the more of the the back end of the defense. You know, guys like Evan Williams, Braylon Lux, guys in the secondary. Uh, you know, if they could complement the guys up front, like you know Kwame Jones and David Perez, who you know can get after the quarterback. They can you know, know they know how to punch out the football and create you know you know opportunities to benefit from fumble luck and things like that. If they can just you know iron out a few little things. Uh, which of course is easier said than done, but if they can do it, then it's going to make Fresno State as formidable as anybody in the conference going into the fall. That's what I'm telling you, man. This West Division, it's going to be wild. Yes. Stay, stay up late to watch these games. Like, we're like when we look at their, because we never really went through our top conference, non-conference games like we do. We probably kind of sprinkled that in here or there throughout. But the teams they play, doesn't Fresno like San Jose State goes to USC to open the season? Yes. Like I don't know if they'll beat them, but USC is fine. They were kind of struggling a bit last year at times. They should have lost Arizona State in the opener and stuff like that. They missed Utah because I don't think that game got played, if I recall. But, like, looking out west, like, who these teams play, like, Fresno State, um, schedule really quick. Like, they got Oregon at UCLA. Like, I don't know if they'll beat Oregon, but they could go toe-to-toe at the Ducks. They could easily beat UCLA. I don't care about DTR. He's garbage. People keep bringing him up. Like, no, he's not very good. You got Hawaii going to... UCLA, like Mountain West could sweep the Bruins, man. San Diego State beat him a couple years ago. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see why there's a sweep of down in Westwood. It's like, I don't see a problem doing that. Then you have Nevada. Like, the non-conference schedule is fine. Like, they keep Cal and Kansas State. Eh, that doesn't scare anybody too much. So, like, this West team, and what, what it's going to do, and this is maybe kind of more before our big overarching giant preview, be, and I say this all the time, schedule these games, these non-conference games, yeah, you can play USC or play Oregon, but if you play Cal, these teams, Kansas State, if you play Illinois, if you play Texas Tech, if you play like Wake Forest or you play Duke or Syracuse, you may not get amazing pub, but you'll get noticed, hey, you beat a, a Power 5 team in this conference and play a middle of the pack. Yeah, you'd rather go out and beat, play Auburn or Alabama or Florida, which are on the schedule for some of these teams, like those higher profiles playing like you get USC, Oregon, like I mentioned, you got Washington State on the schedule, who's okay, but beating those type of teams and scheduling smart scheduling to position your team to be where they can be and get some decent respect nationally. Because going to Cal for Nevada, it's like Cal doesn't scare anybody, right? You got Tim Druners or DC, Justin Wilcox, fine, whatever. Cal, I know Cal's like a sleeper of some sorts, but I don't think they can keep pace with Nevada. So like that's where I see with Fresno and all these teams in the West where it's going to be fun to watch. And so – the West is no longer the joke division like it used to be a couple years ago. <laughs> no, it's going to be really fun to watch. All right, we're at the hour mark. Um, should we just scrap the QB stuff and talk about it when we get to individual teams? 
Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we're going to talk about some QB races. I'll do an article on it, which I'm, again, one of the many of my queue sitting there, Matt, to take care of this week. But just the other teams that have a QB thing, we'll just go over that quickly. we got, what, Utah State, additionally, mm-hmm. what we mentioned. We have Boise, Boise State. Um, New Mexico, we're not sure. That's not necessarily a competition, but it's kind of like, who do we got? Um, any other, is CSU in that mix as well, I believe, right? I believe so. So basically, most of the Mountain Division, the West Division is pretty solid. The, what is it, UNLV, is, is that it, probably? And I get, and I guess Wyoming, we already mentioned here, but West, I think the Rebels are the only team that don't have it solidified. Well, and San Diego State. Oh yeah, it's, I'm oh, sorry, it's in the Aztec, sorry. Apologies. So there's a, there's a lot of the teams with the conference that need a quarterback, but we'll get to those as we proceed with the conference previews in a couple weeks. We may sneak in a couple fun shows here and there just because we didn't get to them all this time of year, which I think we took a, apologies in the past or whatever. We took a couple weeks off of not doing shows due to scheduling, but it's all good. We, we deserve a break occasionally, right, Matt? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to do that. So we'll be back two weeks for football. We'll have a hoop show next week talking some fun rules, but the offseason's – can we say the offseason's over for us, Matt? Are we squarely 2021 preview season now? It's it's over for us, but, uh, you know, still a long way to go. We will yes. we will take you all the way to August 28th, we promise. We'll totally do that. So check us out, mwr.com, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. We might do a Twitter spaces at some point and make a fool of ourselves, right? <laughs> I think that's a, a thing in the works just because mm-hmm. why not? But, yeah, subscribe, tell some friends, and we'll be back uh, to talk some more Mountain football. And just keep keep smashing that follow and subscribe button, folks, and we'll see you next time. 110 days to go. 110 days.